We are in this mini-series, Lies We Believe. Rick has been doing a great job. Pastor Rick has really unpacked the importance of this. Because if you believe a lie, it will become your life. You need to grasp that, because that is why this is so important. Belief always affects behavior. So as we set this up, you know, I was trained in this in my undergrad a little bit. Coming out of psychology, the research behind this and the principle they call this is the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You have this belief, and then that influences your expectations, which influence your behavior, which influences your results, and therefore reinforces your belief. I'm not going to get this job. So that's your expectation. You go into the interview, and then what's your behavior? Well, you know, I don't know. I probably don't deserve this job. Well, then they don't give you the job, and then therefore self-fulfilling prophecy. This is some of the power that we're talking about, why it's important not to believe lies and to believe truth. And I'm not just chasing pop psychology. I'm not just, you know, believing your best, you know, of I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, gosh darn it, people like me. Like, I'm not pushing you to that so you can get job interviews. You know, so anytime you see, like, that research, the church isn't chasing that research. The research is just bearing out the truth of God's word. Because God tells you to do that, to believe truth, don't believe lies. The theme verse that we could go to basically every week in this series, 2 Corinthians 10.5, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Like, that is the goal. That's what God is calling us to. That's the importance. So all these lies are coming at us. You need to take those captive and bring them to Christ and then believe truth. That's what we're telling you to because it matters. If you believe a lie, it will become your life. You'll see that come to fruition if you continue to hold on to that lie. So some of the lies we've already addressed. You know, I am worthless. God could never forgive me. If you're following the bumper video, you know what's next. I will never be a real Christian. You ever felt that in any way? Let me unpack that a little bit. You ever kind of had that lie whispered to you? Maybe you felt that when you came to church this morning. You know, you come here and then you look around, you see people sit in worship services, and you're like, man, I'll never be like them. You watch other people worship and you feel like, man, I feel like I'm missing something. Like, what do they got? There's a lot of things that can trigger that. You know, you just look on people's social media pages and you see these perfect lives and these little snapshots of, you know, how people get in the Word and all these things that people are doing and you think, man, I'll never be like one of those Christians. You ever feel that? Have you ever had that feeling of you look around at everybody else and you think, man, it seems like they know something I don't. You watch them live out their faith. You watch, you know, God use certain people. And you ask yourself, man, what is the secret? Like, what does everybody know that I don't? Because it feels like, man, in a lot of ways, I don't feel like I'm a real Christian. You know, we have this separate category. Yeah, maybe you prayed the prayer, you believe in Jesus, you come to church, but when you look at everybody, there's the kind of this inner circle, this next level of real Christians, the people that get it, the people that really live it out, you know, like, God will accept you, but God's never going to use you like one of those people. You look on stage, maybe, or staff, and you think, man, those are the real Christians. I'll never be like one of them. God's never going to use me like that. It's almost kind of the understanding. You look at the church. It's an idea of a family, biblically speaking. You know, you feel like, yeah, this is a family, but you kind of feel like one of the stepkids, right? 
Like, we kind of have to take you. You're kind of a part of the deal. You know, Jesus doesn't turn anybody away. But you're kind of like one of the step kids. You're not one of the favorite kids. You're not even a real kid, but you're one of, you know, you're just like a stepchild of this family. I'm not knocking stepkids. I am a stepchild, like Dot. If you're listening online, I love you. You're wonderful. But you know what I'm saying? Culturally, that view, I need to get my kids older because I talked about Frozen last time, and, I, like, I, I want to talk about Cinderella now, and I can't keep going back to these little girl movies. But, like, that idea, right, you know? Night and day, Cinderella. You know, that's what you feel like. You're just, like, the stepchild that just comes along, but you don't feel, like, really a part of this family. You ever had that feeling? What is it that everybody else seems to have that I don't? What is it everybody else seems to know that I don't that's holding me back from becoming a real Christian? Sometimes this lie doesn't get whispered to us. We don't whisper to ourselves. Sometimes this lie just gets thrown in our face. You ever have that thrown in your face? Maybe a family member, maybe a coworker, you do something, they say, oh, I thought you were a Christian. Oh, I didn't know Christians would do something like that. They're whispering this lie. What they're telling you is, if you were a real Christian, you wouldn't act like that. Raise your hand. Anybody ever tell you that? Anybody ever that throw it in your face? We get this lie all the time. And it's not just how people worship or how, I mean, we can believe this lie from so many different angles. We get this idea that I'll never be a real Christian that gets whispered to us. So what makes you feel that way? Again, we all feel it and feel it for different reasons. I think everybody wrestles with this on some way. We draw this kind of like inner circle inside Christians and we're always on the outside of that bubble. What is it for you? And I want to kind of walk through a couple different things. Maybe you feel this. I don't, I don't look like a Christian. Maybe you just superficially come in here, you feel like you don't fit in. You know, that's what a Christian looks like. They have a little halo going around. This nice little family with nice little haircuts and you know all these things and you come in here and you feel like man i don't look like this perfect little family i must not be a real christian because they got something i don't you ever feel that when you're just coming in here you, know, you don't look the part you don't vote the part you don't vote right dare me to get into voting who to vote i'm not gonna do it i'm too chicken i won't do it <laughs> But right, you just feel like, man, I don't belong here. Yeah, they'll accept me, but I'm not a real Christian. I don't really belong here. What about this? Maybe your past, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. And that's kind of this badge that you'll always have. Real Christians come from nice Christian families and nice Christian homes. And that's not me, so I'm never really going to fit in and be a part of that. I didn't realize how much this lie followed me throughout my life. I had to go to counseling and hear it from a counselor to finally lay this out to me of how much this lie kept me back from my relationship with God in the church. It was in college at the time. I was going to church up in Hudson. I'm originally from Pittsburgh. And the counselor just asked me straight out, he's, well, just told me, he's like, you realize you got this like, Hudson Jared that you show everybody and nobody sees Pittsburgh Jared? To which I responded, like, you better back up, man. You don't know me. You don't know me, son. I didn't really say that, but that's how I felt at the moment. Why? Because if people really knew the mess that I came from, they wouldn't really accept me. I wouldn't really be welcome in kind of that inner circle of the church. You know, that's for nice families that come from nice families, not from people that come from brokenness like me. So I just hit it. And I put on this nice front that I was one of those people that came from a nice upbringing and I didn't have any baggage or brokenness. You ever believe that lie? 
I had somebody come up to me after first service and said, man, I believe the other lie. I came from her Christian home and I'm messed up. And now I believe that lie like, what's wrong with me? There's all kind of different lies. What about this one? I'm not holy. Am I starting to get anybody? I know you guys wrestle with this. Real Christians are holy. They have it all together. Real Christians don't have struggles like I have. Real Christians don't have baggage in the past. Real Christians haven't slept around like I have. Real Christians don't struggle with pornography. Real Christians don't struggle with addiction like I do. I must not be a real Christian. Yeah, I prayed the prayer. There's some forgiveness there, I guess. But real Christians are holy. Real Christians have holy thoughts. They don't think the way I do. We say this all the time, and I, I mean it. And if you knew some of the stuff that I struggle with, that Pastor Rick struggled with, you'd go to another church. I'm serious. So if you're, look, if I'm feeling that, I know you're feeling that too. You ever have in that place, you know, some struggle, some thought, and you're like, what kind of sicko am I? Like, how messed up am I to think something like that? How can I even be a real Christian and have these struggles and thoughts? Real Christians are holy. They don't struggle with pornography. They don't struggle with whatever it is for you. You ever feel not holy, but then you look around, again, everybody looks so nice and holy. You must not know something or have something. What about this? I don't know the Bible. Real Christians, man, they just know the Bible. But yeah, again, you've prayed a prayer, but you don't know the Bible. You ever feel that? I know you have. Don't lie to me. I didn't even ask for a response. But I hear this from you guys all the time. Oh, I can't, you know, lead a Bible study. I can't disciple somebody. I don't know the Bible. You know, real Christians, man, they just, you ever see those people that just know the Bible? They seem to have it memorized. I mean, everything they say just spews out of them. Like, how you doing? I don't know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. You know, it's just like, it just spits out of them. Hey, how's your day going? I don't know, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I'm not like that, you know, and they tell you that reference, you pretend you know where it is. Oh, yeah, that's a great verse. I love that one. <laughs> but because real Christians, they know the Bible. That's the people God uses. Look, nobody has the thing memorized. Do I want you to grow in your knowledge of the Bible? Of course. But it doesn't make you a real Christian because you can spout off, you know, all these different verses. It will. It is helpful. Again, I want you to grow, but that doesn't make you a second-rate Christian, a second-class Christian because you don't have the Bible memorized. But we feel that, and we feel that lie, and we feel like a second-class citizen. How about this? Some level, you just look at your own life, and it doesn't come easy to you. Again, you could feel like, what is wrong with me? Why doesn't this come easy to me? Like, you watch other people sacrifice and do these things, and you're like, oh, why is it so easy for them, but it's so hard for me to let go of this? Look, it's hard for everybody. Nobody just sacrifices easy. I just went to a, I wasn't here last week because I was in a wedding in Toronto. It was real fancy. Like, it was fancy. Like, no joke, 75% of what I ate, I had no idea what it was. <laughs> I'm dead straight. These fancy, like, waiters are coming up. I'm like, what's that? They're like, it is cru de toi. I'm like, that ain't a word. Like, what is it? What is the food? I'm serious. I'm not classy. I'm like, no, but for real, like, what, like what's the plant? What animal did that come from? Because I didn't know. And it was fun. It was great for a wedding. And then coming out of that, we're pulling out of the parking lot, me and Molly, my wife, and we're just like, man, that is tempting. That is tempting to just live a comfortable life. 
to just live, you know, for pleasure, to live that easy life. Everybody wants that. I used to love to listen to Francis Chan, a pastor, and he said somebody like told him that. Oh, I could never be one of those sacrificial Christians. I just like nice stuff too much. Everybody likes nice stuff. So you're not missing anything, those people that are being sacrificial. It's not because like they don't like food de toi. Like they just, they just don't, they choose to sacrifice. It is not easy for anybody. There's no secret out there. Like I can never be one of those people that share my faith. You know, you see people that seem to bring people to church every week. And you're like, oh, I can never be one of those people that just shares my faith like that. I'm just too nervous. Look, I get nervous. I do this for a living. And every time, like, I go to share my faith, I get, like, nervous. Like, am I going to sound dumb or they're not going to like me? At the wedding, the, girl, the lady sitting next to me goes, so you just trying to convert people? I'm like, I don't know. I, yes, I think, but I don't know. You know, like... But you think, oh, it's easy for everybody, and you don't do it because it it just, look, it's the same for all of us. I hear this all the time. It's one of those, it's a subtle, you know, sub-lie. Like, oh, it should should come easy. I hear that in marriage all the time. Oh, it should just come easy. What are you talking about? What in your life worthwhile comes easy? We apply it through our faith, we apply it through our marriage, but nothing else of good value in our life. It's not like I do that with parenting, like, Man, parenting shouldn't have to, you know, be this hard. Kids, I'm going to need you to find a new dad. Like, it shouldn't have to be this hard. It should come easy. That's another sub lie. That's a bonus lie that came along this sermon. It doesn't for anybody. You need to understand that. There's nothing you're missing. But if you look at that list, and it is not comprehensive, maybe there's other things that make you believe that lie. But as we look at that list, not one of those things on there make somebody a Christian, let alone a real Christian. But yet, we have those things in our life, and we feel like a second-rate, second-class citizen in the church. We feel like a stepchild in the church because we're not one of those real Christians. You want to know the crazy part about it? Everybody feels that way. Nobody feels like the real Christian. We all draw this circle, like, inside the church, and then there's the, the circle, like, tighter circle inside the church, and you always put yourself on the outside, and you think, oh, they're real Christians. They get it. I'll guarantee if I talk to that person, they're looking at you and going, oh, they're the real Christians. They get it. We do it to ourselves. Some of it is self-inflicted, you know? We just present this picture, you know, on social media that it's, your life's falling apart, but yet, you know, we just put these nice little blurbs out. And then everybody else looks at those and goes, man, my life isn't like that perfect snapshot. There must be something wrong with me. We just throw cheesy slogans at each other. You know, you come to church, how you doing? Oh, busy, but God is so good, right? You know, he's faithful, you know. <laughs> if you want to make God laugh, tell him a plan, you know what I'm th- you know? And so we just throw these horrible slogans at each other. And then you come in and you know, my life isn't a cheesy slogan. So what's wrong with me? Because there seems to be. So there must be something wrong with me. I must not be a real Christian because real Christians, just their lives fit together nice buttoned up slogans. We got to get past it and understand everybody feels that way. So that's the lie. We got to take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. Pastor Rick has done a great job reminding us, look, you have to fill your life with truth, not just get rid of the lie. I've never seen somebody get over a lie by obsessing about the lie. You can chase around the lie, but you need to believe truth. That's what needs to happen. I will never forget this illustration. So people that spot counterfeit, 
counterfeit bills. Remember the first time I heard this, like a federal agent, to train a federal agent on how to spot counterfeit bills, you know what they do? They study a real bill. They study the real bill, and they know exactly what the real thing is, so when a fake comes, they can spot it. They don't run around trying to understand what every counterfeiter is doing. They study the truth. They know the real thing, when, so when the real thing comes at them, or when something, a lie comes at them, they know that's not right. That is your job. Not to just understand this lie. I get it. You should recognize it when it comes in your life, but believe truth. You know what the truth is? There's no such thing as a real Christian. You know what the Bible calls a real Christian? A Christian. Like an actual Christian. That's it. Every person in this room, every human on the planet is divided into two categories. That's it. You're either a non-Christian or a Christian. You're either a non-believer or a believer. That is it. But we've created this kind of next category. You know, okay, I'm not a believer. Well, I'm a believer, but I'm not like a real Christian. But then there's the superstar Christians that God really uses. The truth is there is no two, there is no two categories within the church. It's not like we sit in our offices like, hey, guess what? You know, Bobby just graduated to real Christian and, you know, we celebrate baptisms when somebody becomes a believer, and then that is it. The verse that I want to camp at for the rest of our time, it's really, I'm going to bounce around Colossians 2. I feel like God just brought the perfect verse to me in this time. I mean, it speaks so perfectly to this, because here's the deal. Before we start reading, understand the context. Look, Paul went around and planted churches. This is the apostle. And throughout his whole life, kind of another band of people followed him around and tried to destroy those churches. Do you know how they, they tried to destroy Paul's church in Colossae? This lie right here. Paul went and told them the gospel, that God loves you, that God sent his son to pay the penalty for your sin, and you can receive forgiveness and grace and become a child of God. And then this crew of people followed him around and said, that's not enough. You're not a real believer. Yeah, you're going to a Bible study now, but a real Christian, and then they added loads of stuff. With this lie, they chased his churches to try to convince them they weren't real Christians and the gospel wasn't enough. So listen to this passage. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. Do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, according to human precepts and teaching? These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So hopefully you heard it. Again, Paul is combating all these things. They came in, this crowd, and said, oh, you're, you don't worship right, you don't do enough. Asceticism is like severe discipline to the body. I mean, it's essentially, it's a gospel of works. You know, yeah, you have received forgiveness, but you're not doing enough for God. They came around and said, you're not real Christians because you don't worship right, you don't do enough. And then did you catch some of that? Like they go on about these visions that they've had. 
yeah, you've read the Bible, you're reading the Bible, but you don't have these deep visions that we have. You must not be a real Christian. You ever felt that? You ever hear that sometimes? You hear people say like, oh, God spoke to me, or God told me this. And you sit there going, man, God never told me nothing. I never heard God speak, but you hear people say that all the time. God spoke to me, and you're like, what he sound like? Because you know, I swear he sounds like Morgan Freeman. Because every time you see a movie, it's always Morgan Freeman's voice. Because I'm like waiting to hear from Morgan Freeman to tell me, look, I've heard God has communicated to me in very real and intimate ways, but I've never heard a voice, an audible voice. But that's what, that's what we feel. But that's what these people came and told him. You're not spiritual enough. And you hear people talk about how God, you know, moved through them. You're like, man, I've never heard that. Like, I've never heard an audible voice or Morgan Freeman for that matter. And I don't think it's because I'm not spiritual enough. So Paul had to correct them. All these people that said, you're not a real Christian because you don't worship right, you don't worship enough, you don't do enough. You're not spiritual enough to have these visions. What does Paul tell the church In the midst of that lie, when you feel that temptation to draw yourself on the out, to feel like a less than Christian, Paul tells them, look, let no one pass judgment on you. Let no one disqualify you. He says, reject this idea that you're not a real Christian. Nobody can take you out of that circle. There is no tier of Christianity that you haven't reached. Don't let anybody tell you any different. Nobody could take that from you. I love this quote, famous quote. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. That was fun, that response. I've never like Eleanor Roosevelt mic dropped somebody. Boom. Like my girl Eleanor said. Look, you're going to get this lie your whole life. Everywhere you go, people are going to try to make you feel like you're not a good enough Christian. But nobody can make you feel that without your consent. He says, let nobody pass judgment on you. Let no one disqualify you. That is the truth. Look, you need to ask yourself this question. Because there are two categories. I'm not getting rid of all categories. I'm getting rid of one. So you need to understand, there is non-Christian and Christian. And just because you go to church or you pray to prayer that you didn't really mean doesn't make you a Christian. So you need to ask yourself, Have I really given my life to Jesus as my king? Have I really received his forgiveness and now I'm living for him? If you know you've done that, if you've asked for God to come in your life to be your Lord and Savior, then you are as real as it gets. There is no third category. Stop waiting for something else to click in your life like that's going to all of a sudden fix it. You are a believer. There's no deeper category. There's non-believer, and then there's loving Jesus and living for him. That's it. This group that followed Paul around often, they were called Gnostics. They taught Gnosticism. I'll give you a fancy word this morning. What Gnosticism means is secret knowledge. So they taught, yeah, you've heard the Bible, you've heard Jesus died for my sins, but there's a secret knowledge, a deeper knowledge you need to get to. Do you know what the big secret is? There is no secret. The big secret is that person next to you doesn't have any secret. There was one secret. It was Jesus. Secrets out. Like, that is it. There is 
the gospel and God's forgiveness and adoption to his family, and that's it. So that's why Paul would exhort them, look, you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. That's it. He's saying, look, you are a real believer if you've embraced the gospel. Now just start walking in it. So I want you to think, you know, what is it that you don't do because you're not a real Christian? Feeling like you're not a real, you're just a second-class citizen in the church. What does that hold you back from doing? I want you to know the only thing that is holding you back from that is you. That's it. It's just your choice. He says, look, you've received him. Now walk in him. You feel like, oh, I'll never know. I'll never know the Bible. You know, I look at those people that know the Bible. Can you read? Start reading it. You know, like start going to Bible study. I remember in college, getting there to college, and I'm at a Bible study. It wasn't that long ago for me, but I remember people talking, and Abraham kept coming up. I just kept thinking like, man, this guy seems important, but I have no idea who this dude is. He's like a big deal. He was like the father of faith. But I had no idea who he is. You know what I did? I started learning. And some people, oh, I'm just not a big reader. I don't like to read. Two points. One, I'd encourage you to make an exception. Like God wrote you a letter. You should probably start to read it. Even if I grant that, that that's not your thing. We just sent you right now media. There are literally 20,000 sermons on there that you could watch to grow in your knowledge of God's word. Yeah, I want you to grow in that, but it's up to you to start that journey, to begin reading. I don't know where to start. We have men's Bible study, women's Bible study starting up this fall. Just begin the journey. I'll never one of those people that just worships all out. I'll never be one of those people you think they're missing, like they're hearing some kind of angel music in their head and that's why they raise their hands. You can choose to express that way if you feel led. I can prove that to you right now because we're going to practice. Let's all, everybody do it. Right? One hand up. Let's see. I, I'll never be one of those people. I can't do it. Oh, man, it's looking good already. <laughs> hold up, hold up. This, this is where some people are going to be comfortable. Uncomfortable. We're going to do two. Let's see if both of them go up. They do. Give yourself a hand. Come on, people. Yes, we can. What's the, look, that person who's doing that doesn't hear angel music. They're just choosing to express the same song that you are to God. You think, oh, I can never be sacrificial like that. Some people just give and give and give. You got a debit card? Like, you know how to use PayPal? Like, we could start to make this happen. If you're waiting for the day where all of a sudden you're going to have no, you know, selfish tendencies, and when you're going to stop liking nice stuff, and you're going to stop having fear, like... That's not happening. Nothing else is going to happen for you. He said, look, you've received Christ, so walk in him. Oh, I can never be one of those people that share my faith. I get afraid too. Yes, you can. Yes, I, I know you can. And I'll prove it to you. Just say this with me. Jesus loves me. Say that. Hey, Jesus loves me. Hey, Jesus loves you too. Say that. Hey, Jesus loves you too. You can even say it fast if you're really scared. Like, I don't know, Jesus loves you. Ah, you know, like, but you can. The only thing holding you back is you.
stepping into that. And again, the reason we don't is we believe this lie that real Christians like have something else I don't. They have some kind of advantage that you don't. I can guarantee you have everything you need. Because what is the promise Paul gives them in the midst of the church? Read this. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him. All of God dwells in you. Well, I don't have a nice and tidy background. You have God. I don't have, you know, the Bible memorized. You have God. Whatever it is you feel like you can't step into, you step into that filled with his Holy Spirit. The fullness of God goes with you. There's nothing else that you're going to get that all of a sudden is going to make it happen for you. You already have what you need. It's the presence of God in your life. That's it. So stop waiting. Whatever that lie holds you back from, from pursuing in your life, I want you to know you're not going to get anything else you need because you already have it. You can be that real Christian. You can go on that trip, that mission trip, because when you go, God goes with you. You don't need to have perfect parents. You have God, your heavenly Father, with you. You get to go to the throne of God to sit at his feet as his child and he listens to you and answers your prayers. What else do you need? What else is holding you back? You've received him. Walk in him. And as you walk, walk filled with the spirit of God. The fullness of God goes with you. And so much of it comes down to understanding who you are. Look, You are not an unwanted stepchild. You are a chosen, adopted child of God. I'm an adoptive father, and I can tell you I have on good measure that no adopted kid of mine is second rate in my home. He is fully my son, and he has all of me. Anybody that wants to come and tell me that somehow my adopted son is less, has less value in my home, like, feel free to meet me in the parking lot afterwards. Like, we're going to throw knuckles because we're fighting. Like, there's no way you're going to tell me that my kid, my son, is not fully my son and doesn't have everything I have to offer because he's been adopted. He has everything I have to give him as an adopted kid. You, as you come to Christ, are an adopted child of God. Nobody has anything, nobody has any advantage that you don't. You have all of God's love to go with you as go forward. Don't believe that lie. Love Jesus, live for him and walk in him. Will you pray with me? Father, would you wash us with with your truth this morning? God, there are so many lies being told to us from so many ways. And God, we're never going to know all the different tactics of counterfeiters. So God, right now, would your spirit empower us, lay it on our hearts to know what the truth is. God, that if we have given our lives to you, that we are your adopted children, that we are loved fully by you, 
We are empowered fully by you. God, you go with us that we can come to the throne of God because we are your adopted kids. Help us to believe that truth this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.